0: I reminisce, I reminisce, I uh. reminisce, yeah. I reminisce, for a spell. Or shall I say? Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast, your home for the mindset, methodology, and tools needed to be a successful foreclosure acquisition specialist. And now your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. This is your host, Donnie Coram. We are recording here in the Creative Density Studios, right in downtown Denver, Colorado, with my main man and producer, Mr. Jonathan Winston. What is up? Ahoy, ahoy. I am here and I am ready to get some more foreclosure information out to everybody. So let's do it. And it sounds like you're a pirate. Man, it it you turns know, sometimes out sometimes I like go through these go through these phases where I just like want to be on the boat and like wear an eye patch or something. I'm on a boat mo- All right, so um- <laughs> we, we got to have fun on this show. That's the key. So we released an episode on a kind of a recap summary of the greatest hits, sort of a season two uh, nail-biter episode ender. If you didn't check that out, please go on back and check out the last episode 24, the season two finale. Pretty good show. Today, we're going to go into something a little bit new in the format. We've got a guest here on the show. We're going to introduce him in just a little bit. But before we do so, in foreclosure deals coach tradition, I'd like to do a quick news article uh, to discuss some stuff going on in the foreclosure space. You good with that? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. So, I found an article that discussed a new rule that is not allowing the Fifth Circuit in Louisiana has offering protections against default judgments in the case of Louisiana foreclosures, specifically for military personnel. And I bring that up because here in Colorado, we have a very high military contingent, particularly in Colorado Springs, where I'm from, a lot of people are military. So as this rule kind of proliferates in other states, what it basically says is that you can't do a default judgment against a soldier who cannot appear on his own behalf in a foreclosure proceeding. See, a foreclosure hearing is a default judgment. It basically says you didn't pay we are foreclosing on you, we're taking the house back as collateral and you know whether you show up or not, we can enter a default judgment against you, deeding the property back to the lender so they can then resell the home. The whole basis of the mortgage system needs the ability for foreclosure to take place. The reason I say that is because if the bank could not recover their money when they lent it to you, they would not be able to lend the money out at the rate that they do so. So although foreclosure is not fun for anybody going through it, and for those of you who are, you're struggling through that, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I bet I can help you. Donny Coram, D-O-N-N-Y-C-O-R-A-M on LinkedIn. I would love to work with you. However, you have to understand that process has to exist in order for the entire mortgage market to function. But the, this legislation here that they're passing is suggesting that soldiers aren't getting a fair crack. In the foreclosure proceedings, because you get behind on payments, you know, and you're out serving our country in Afghanistan. Once again, thank you, all the fine military personnel listening to the show. Well, they, they said that's not fair, and I agree. I agree that it would not be right for, a, for you to come home from serving our country overseas and find your home has been foreclosed and the locks have been chained and your stuff's out of the lot. Right. So this legislation, I think, is very powerful stuff. I do hope it goes through in Colorado as well. But the essence of it is they have to delay the foreclosure till you can be in town to speak on your behalf or to make arrangements to bring that note current. You know, and I just think that kind of protection is necessary. Uh, Far too many people lose their home to foreclosure where it's not their fault. Um, There are situations where that are out of their control, and I believe that there should be some protections in there to make that not take place. Not to the point of stopping foreclosure in its entirety, because once again, we need that system in order to keep money flowing in the mortgage market to allow everybody the ability to own a home who wants to own a home, but to the point where it helps people who just can't You can't make a change because they're overseas, serving our country, doing what they need to be doing. So do hope that legislation hits Colorado. We will post that to the Foreclosure Deals Coach uh, Facebook page if you want to take a look at that article. And with that, we're going to move forward from the news and introduce our first guest here on the Foreclosure Deals Coach podcast, Mr. Locke Nguyen. Locke, how the heck are you, man? I'm doing all right. You know, Locke is a bit of a local celebrity if you're in Colorado Springs. Like He, he is a, the ultimate sushi chef. Where, where are you at now, chef? Where, where are you doing a uh, sushi at? At Nara Sushi in Colorado Springs. What part of Colorado? What S- side. side? Yeah, okay. I've been there. It's incredible. Okay, and it really, and Locke's been in a couple different sushi places because people are vying to get this guy. Okay, that's a, that's a big thing. You gotta understand. If you have not had sushi produced by Locke, you need to find him at Nara Sushi. If you're in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and if you're anywhere in the country and you're flying into the springs, come on by and take a look at him. I am sure you'll be happy. You, you didn't tell me about this, man. I was craving some sushi the other day. You didn't tell me. Uh, You didn't tell me Locke was the man that I should go talk to. What's up with that? Local celebrity in sushi. I'm telling you. Come come on. That's a good story. But also, what you should know about Locke is Locke here actually saved my life once. What? Yeah, and that's a. And this is a good story. So a while back, before we get into why we have Lock on the show, because it wasn't a talk about sushi or, or saving my life, although that's entertaining too. A while back, we're out partying post sushi. So we had this tradition, guys' night tradition. We're still doing it now on Wednesday nights. We'd go out. We'd we'd go boxing. I was in a boxing gym, and then all the guys from the boxing gym would go to sushi with Lock. We'd go have a bunch of sushi. We'd get a uh, you know have a couple too many sake bombs probably, and then we'd head out and we'd do some partying at you know, a bunch of guys. It was a great tradition. It went on for many, many years before I relocated up here to Denver, and now we're trying to recreate it up here in Denver. So if you're in Denver, Thursday night, guys night, hit me up. Love to have you. The That's more the nice. merrier. But one night, as Locke will recall, he decides to challenge. Do you remember this? Yeah. He's Locke is a big mountain climber. Have you you've done all the 14ers, right? Not all of them, but, a few. How many? A few, all right. So big mountain climber, big mountain biker, he's your outdoorsy type, snowboarder, all of it. Okay? He he is definitely taking advantage of the Colorado climate, something I don't do as much. But he says, I don't believe, Donnie, that you could scale a 14er. And Of course, there's one thing, if you've ever met me, I never back down from a significant challenge, right? And this is one of those I probably should have, because although we went to Mount Elbert, which would you argue is one of the easier? Yeah. Yeah, that's a a simpler one. How long is that? Um, Round trip about seven miles. Seven seven miles. miles. So not terribly long, not terribly steep, okay? So a a pretty good starter as far as 14er goes. However... We've been partying the entire night before. Okay. I don't own anything in the line of climbing gear. Neither do I. Okay. Because I'm a black guy and we don't generally own climbing gear. <laughs> um, so I went, went to Walmart because Walmart's open 24 hours a day. All okay, right. Here we go. And I bought some, you know, I thought they were pretty doable hiking boots. Locke laughed at me when I got those. I bought what I thought was a pretty suitable snow jacket. Locke laughed at me when I got that. Right? And we set out to scale this 14er. The part of the story I'm leaving out is it's October. What was the date? Like October 29th? It was the day yeah. before Halloween or day? It was the last weekend of October. Yeah. Like that. So a really dumb time. Yeah. A really dumb time. You should have known something was up when he started laughing when you were buying all the stuff. Yeah, well, I should have known a lot of things. However, okay. Okay. we decided. we to set. So we wake up, like 6 o'clock in the morning, right? We didn't actually get there, though, until probably one in the afternoon. I don't remember why. But, like, we were slacking off. We finally arrived at the mountain about one in the afternoon. And at the bottom of Mount Elbert, it is gorgeous. Like, it's October, but it was a fall day, man. It was warm. Like, we were had to de-gear. I'm taking off all of my, uh, my snow gear because it's so hot that I'm just kind of stripping stuff. I left the lining in my jacket on a tree on the way up. And we get to the tree line. And I learned something important here, okay? When you get to the tree line, you... Know it, you cross this imaginary boundary where there's literally not enough oxygen for trees to grow anymore. Okay, okay. so it's it, it, it's so crystal clear. And at the moment we hit that tree line, the snow is up to my thigh. All right. And as we are coming up the mountain, these professional hikers, like people who do this, you know, probably all the time, in full snow gear, snowshoes, the whole lot of it, they're walking down. They look at us, literally wearing a t-shirt. And, like, jeans, one of them just shakes their head with this, you know, mindset of, yeah, you guys are going to die. Like, there's no way you guys are. You're not making it to the top of this mountain, but good luck to you. Have a good time. Now, a smart person turns around and goes back. But what do we do, Locke? We kept on going. We we kept on going. And so now it's about 3 p.m., right? It turns out if you're on the side of a mountain— the sun goes down at about 3 p.m. Like, it's about 3, 3.30 when that sun gets behind the mountain. And suddenly you go from wonderful fall-like conditions to all-out blizzard conditions. And it happens so fast, your head will spin, okay? So we are now scaling this mountain. And I so help me God, this, I mean this sincerely, I was 300 yards from the top of Mount Elbert when I learned something about that I, have, I am prone to altitude sickness, so yeah, now wow. it's, it's yeah, Locke, my buddy Raya, and myself on the side of this mountain. I'm puking, like, excessively. Right? I can't hold anything thing in. They're trying to get water into my system. Can't hold water down. Oh, right? Man. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to make it. You guys go on up. Finish this thing out for me, you know. So they continue up to the top, and I'm just going to go the opposite direction and I meet mean, up at the bottom of the tree line. Elbert is like, it's like Switchback Mountain, right? So you can, you can go up. You go to the left for a while. You go to the right for a while. It's not a very steep incline, but once again, the snow is up to my thighs. So you can't see the trail at all. Again, a smart person turns around. A dumb person just trounces through this as far up as they can go, trying to get up this mountain, I'm and that's gonna what make I did. It. I'm, I'm going make make it. to make it. So I'm on the way back down. I've been vomiting for the past hour. I'm dehydrated. I'm disoriented. I'm a little scared at this point, and I slip down the side of this embankment, and I am now clawing at the side of the mountain to stop my descent. I look below me. I'm literally. I'm, I'm not. I wish I was making this up. Okay, I'm doing 30 miles an hour downhill, right? And I cannot get any traction to stop myself from hitting the bottom. Below me are these jagged rocks, right? I am convinced this is it for me. I hit the rocks, jack up my knee, now I can't walk, okay? Disoriented, dehydrated, can't walk, and so it's time to call search and rescue, right? Right? So search and rescue, they get them on the phone. Amazingly, hey, kudos to the cell phone companies because the cell phones work like nothing is wrong. All right. That's, like that's they are idea. functioning like that. So we calls, well, not exactly because we had to go to the top of the mountain to get a clear signal. So Ryan goes back to the top of a hill, calls search and rescue. and said, we can get a helicopter up there, but it's getting late. So we're thinking like tomorrow morning. Does that, does that work for you? I go, well, what do you mean tomorrow morning? Yeah, no, uh, 12, 15 hours. You guys could be fine. You know, we'll just come get you in the morning where we can see, you know, and we can't bring the horses up there because it's above the tree line and there's not enough oxygen for trees, there's not enough oxygen for horses. So they won't go up there either or they won't do well if they do, right? So we're just going to have to come get you in the morning. I go, okay, what's plan B? Because that's a dumb plan. Like, I'm already, I'm already <laughs> like freezing this. to death. This is stupid. Like, give me, give me option two. Well, if you guys can get down to beneath the tree line we can come get you from there. Now, if you guys have seen the videos of the show or caught into my pictures, I am not a small guy. <laughs> okay. Like I'm a pretty good size dude. At the time I was bigger still than I am right now. So Locke and Raya now have me arm in arm and they're carrying me. How long, how long do you think you carry me back? Three, four hours. It yeah. was a long trek. It was a long trek. What? Right? I'm, I'm talking miles. Like we, went, we went several miles back. Yeah. However, when search and rescue finally catches up, I am so dehydrated. I'm like on the edge of death here, right? And they ask, do you know where you are? And I think they're asking to see if my brain's still functioning. No, no. They're asking because we have made it back to roughly, so you're about a mile away from your car. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait. They go. So you guys right? came up here to carry me back one mile to my car. Yes, we did. I said, by the way, there's going to be a bill for this. I'm like, well, what's the bill like? He's like, well, you have a fishing license, right? I go, dude, (laughs) I'm climbing a mountain. (laughs) Why would I need a fishing license? Do I have a fishing pole? Like, maybe you're the one who needs search and rescue. (laughs) Right? He goes, well, if one did have a fishing license, then the insurance from the fishing license might cover this trip. And if one did not have a fishing license, this would be about $10,000. I go, I do have a fishing license. And I'm going to be picking – and one would pick that up tomorrow morning, right, if they wanted to not pay the 10 grand, i And, like, one will. One will. Right? I know this one. It's right. right here. So we get back to the hospital. They hook me up on IVs. Very difficult to do because, A, I'm deathly afraid of needles. And, B, I'm so dehydrated my veins have been reduced to a very small range. And that was the end of it. It was a, it was a rough uh, – it was a rough trip, but I'm thankful for Locke. I know that was a long story, but worth it, because we're going to get to why we have Locke on the show here today and talk about his story. So you recently bought a house, eh, Locke? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you bought this house. You and your wife, right, bought a house together. Yeah. 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 And um, did you did you buy a deal? Uh, no. You bought it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> do, do you... How did you know you didn't buy a deal? Let's start there. Like, well, what part? Of, what was the indication that you probably paid market or more than market for the house? How did you know? Um, um, well, we went with a realtor, okay, and uh, I think um, when I got I got a loan and everything, and they gave us a realtor yeah, like that. And a lot of times that happens, guys. Right. So when you get a loan, a lot of times the lender or the bank has a a realtor du jour that they're gonna hook you up with, I'm not gonna sit here and bash realtors, okay? First of all, I am a realtor. Secondly, that's not the goal, but there's a difference between the standard retail real estate agent that makes up 98% of the population of realtors and the foreclosure specialist. Now, Locke and I go way back. You literally saved my life. So, you know, whatever reason, he went with this other realtor, I haven't choked him out for that recently, but we'll get to that later, right? All is forgiven, but the point is, today, you guys, how long have you had the house, ballpark? Since August. August, okay. Yeah. And you know, we're not going to get too deep in your personal life here, but it looks like you may have to sell the house at some point. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Right. And, and because you didn't buy a deal, do you think you have equity in the home today? No. Okay. And be- if you don't have equity in the home, to sell it, that's going to mean either bringing money to the table. Yeah. A lot of money to the table. Right? Because remember when you sell it, us realtors, we have our hands out both ways. When we get when we buy the house, we get paid by the seller. When we sell the house, we get paid by the seller. Yeah. Right? So you're a little underwater in this house if you were to sell it today, am I right? Most likely. Okay. The point of this story, guys, and, you know, we're making fun a little bit because it's entertaining, but the reality is we, we stress buying a deal because you really don't know what life is going to turn at you, you know? Now, whether you're a married couple or you're a single person or whatever, what we can be certain of is God likes to laugh at our plans, right? He, you have no idea what's going to happen next. And certainly we're hoping everything works out, but if it doesn't work out, then you want to make sure you're in an equity position where you're not going to get screwed. Does that make sense? Sounds good. And that's what we're teaching here on the show. You know, So we bring on friends and family because all of them, I tell all of them, I want to represent you in buying a, a house, not because it's how I make my living, though that is a factor, but also because I want to protect you from buying a house as, as opposed to buying a deal. Now, Locke, if you had bought a, a house below market and you were selling it at a profit, that would obviously be at a better situation for you, right? Yes. And the only big change would have been picking the right house. The house you buy, is it really nice? Is it tip-top shape? Yeah, I like it. House I always wanted. Yeah. That, that's important, right? And right. I, I don't want to downplay the fact that when you're out there buying retail, we have to have a retail buyer out there. But how would you rate your handiness, Locke? Would you say you're a handy guy, a paint carpet kind of guy? No, not no. really. Me neither. Me neither. I can't, I can't swing a hand without hurting myself or somebody else, right? So when you guys who are non-handy see a property, you don't want to do a bunch of work to it, right? You bought a retail house, I presume, because it was a nice house. It's in really good condition. Yeah. It's going to provide a wonderful place for your home and all the other reasons you buy a home, mm-hmm. right? What we're proposing here on this show is take the blinders off and imagine the less than perfect house with a new paint job. You yeah. think you could paint a house if you had to? Yeah. You wouldn't enjoy it. No. But you could have done it. Yeah. Right. You think you could have bought carpet and put new flooring in it? No. <laughs> Not by yourself. <laughs> yeah. but you could have. You could have paid somebody. Yeah, you know, definitely something know. like that. Yeah. Right. Appliances. Right. You could. These are things if you look at a house and you know we're, we're here to kind of because Locke's a good friend of mine, make fun of Locke a little bit, but also under explain that it, it, it's very easy to fall into the retail trap of just buying a house. Right, and ninety-eight percent of buyers do it, so you're not alone if you do. But if you're listening to this show today, you should know that we are ev- everything we do is against that one move. Right? Simply, do not buy a house, especially since you don't know if things are going to work out. Right now, the market's going up, and I can tell you this, Locke: if you keep this house for another three, four years, it'll be fine. Yeah. Right? Because houses generally go up in value, and it's going to catch up, and that's true of most people. Right. If you're willing to wait it out, you're gonna be okay. My my advice would have been, let's buy it now as if we were gonna sell it in six months. Yeah. And then if you don't, you will double your equity when that picks up. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So that's the advice of the show. And guys, you know, we, we, we do this because We care. I know that seems like you know a guy who's a a foreclosure specialist doesn't care that much, but I truly do. I have helped several people, also friends of ours, another guy on the mountain, make seven figures in equity in buying deals, like literally another million dollars in equity. The second guy who saved my life, right? And then I've got this guy who saved my life, and he's around here because he's a friend who also have made a big part of my life. So the least I can do is give back and offer the advice that I know about purchasing foreclosures at a discount and buying a deal, not a house. So, I mean, I'm not going to smack you on the show cause you can't see it anyway. It's like, it's like, this is radio. We're going to, we're going to have video soon. So, you know, yeah. live, I'm glad because we don't want any violence on the show well, yeah. until later. Like we're going to do a whole like action film. Not, yeah, never you know, good intros. <laughs> we need to do some sketches, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, Listen, the point is and I you know we, we make light of it, we have some fun with it, but really 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 when you're buying a house, whether it's your first house or 80th house, look at the deal not the house itself. You know, in the future lock, when you survive this, cause I'm going to make sure you do cuz that's what I do. Um You going to buy a deal? Yeah, definitely. Do you promise? I promise. Can, can pinky swear? Yes. They they're putting their pinkies together right now, which is kind of weird, <laughs> but you know, weird. you got you still can't see it, so it's all good. <laughs> And to all of you listening to this show, I want you to listen to what happened to Locke. And regardless of how you know your relationship is going, I, honestly, whether you have the most stable relationship in the world or it's rocky, when you're purchasing a home for your family, you need to keep in mind the house is the most powerful investment tool in your arsenal, the most powerful wealth-building tool. Excuse me, in all of America's real estate. Right? The stock market's a close second, but I got to tell you, real estate's going to beat that because we know for certain, even if it goes down in value, you will need a place to live. Right? Whereas that Apple stock you're buying, if people stop buying iPhones because they're $1,500, I went to my daughter who thinks she's getting a new iPhone 11 Pro. Oh, wow.
1: Expensive. You're,
0: you're a great dad, man. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Um, it, you need to plan for the future. And by doing so, by buying a deal, not a house— you will be planned for the future. Because if we had bought this same house he bought, $30,000, $40,000 below what he paid for, it. today we could throw a for sale sign in it, and not only would he leave unscathed, he would leave another 20000 $25,000 in cash in his pocket because he bought a deal. Does that make sense? Yes. Sounds good. And that's what we want to do for all of you guys. Okay. So we promise to keep these shows short and sweet. Hey, Locke. I really I want to thank you for coming on the show today, man. And, uh, thank you. Thanks, Locke. I'm gonna be by the su- sushi shop very soon. So sushi, sushi man. man. Come on by, check it out. West End of Colorado Springs, Colorado. Incredible sushi, but you know, mostly because Locke is slinging it. And just ask him to make a special roll. Don't pick one. Ask him to make one just for you. Okay. You will not be disappointed. I promise. I'm excited. It's my favorite thing in the world. And with that, you know we are we are over time for the show a little bit, which is okay because of our interview format. We're going to extend this out just a little bit. But we do want to keep you guys to stay tuned. A lot more guests are coming on the show. We're going to have a lot more fun bringing in people who have had good and bad experiences with buying a home or even buying a foreclosure. Listen, it's not all wine and roses. Things don't always go perfectly. Well, you're buying retail or you're buying a foreclosure. But if you plan ahead and you buy below market, you're going to be in a good spot. So as we start and end, and every show with your on Foreclosure Deals Coach, when you're out there shopping for a house, don't you dare buy a house, buy a deal. <laughs>